right. On? You are on. I can hear you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry about it. This is like one of the things of doing kind of a live uh, podcast. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I, like I said on the uh, email, I'll, I'll keep it. Uh, there's no gotcha questions in here. I promise. No um, but yeah, let me let me start with kind of an intro here, just uh, for everyone that doesn't know. Today I'm with Matt Logan, head coach for the Corona Centennial football team. This is his 26th year leading that program, which has a national reputation for competing at the highest level. He's got a state championship, three southern regional championships, 10 CIF championships, and 19 league championships. I wish he was my coach. Um, on the personal side, he's won every coaching award you can pretty much win from the USA Today's National Coach of the Year to six Riverside County Coach of the Year awards, but many, many more. I'm not going to embarrass you with listing them off. There's too many. But uh, needless to say, this man can coach and lead young men. Uh, I think part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you is uh, you know, the brilliance and the success you've had over a long period of time having a little exposure, and by little I mean minute, with Coach Pete Carroll and his whole win forever and how he went back and studied the greats like John Wooden and Marv Levy who also were able to kind of be great for long period of time, periods of time. I think that's really what sticks out to me when I, when I follow and watch what you've done with this program. So can I just start with the big question, which is what does it take to be consistently great? Well, I think in the high school level in particular, uh, number one would be administration, administration that supports kids, not just football, but kids in general, and, and then takes the takes their their wants, their needs first and foremost, regardless of any you know political or self serving agenda that uh, you know throwing that all out and just being you know committed to supportive to all kids and and and, and in my case particularly football. Um, you know, I'm on my fifth principal. I've, I've outlasted five principals, so uh, that's kind of interesting. But uh, they've all been great, and they've all been had that 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 kids first mentality, and and that's been great. I think um, a stable coaching staff. You know, having coaches that are committed to us and want to be part of Centennial football, and 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 we haven't had a lot of turnover in that regards um, in a long time. My defense coordinator has been with me. Um, my second year as an assistant coach at Centennial, so all the way through my head coaching tenure, he's been with me as well, Dan Herring. And then um, I think thirdly, just I think kids understand the expectations and, and what they're getting into. They understand that we're going to work extremely hard and that success is uh, is earned, not given, and, and as well as you know their playing time and and and, and that and whatnot. It's all going to be based on hard work, and we're going to treat everybody fair. And I think we have that reputation, and so I think kids come in wanting to work hard and wanting to win. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I remember being very young and thinking my coaches were very old. Um, I realize now that I'm older that they really weren't that old and uh, they probably could relate <laughs> to more. <laughs> they could relate to more than I thought they could. Um, so having said that, you know, as I've spoken to coaches, the thing I hear a lot is that kids are not the same, not as dedicated, committed, focused, what have you. But, you know, you're there, you're on the front lines. Are, are kids that different from 20 to 30 years ago? And if so, how? I think they are for sure, and especially in the last couple of years with the pandemic going on and stuff like that. Things have, things have really changed. I think, uh, you know, social media is obviously a big part of that. I'm, I'm not very much involved in social media, but I know that the kids are, and, and that has such a an important spot in their lives. And I think that, uh, you know, from the, from the coaching component, 
standpoint, I think it's just important that, you know, when, when we, you know, when I, I say we, because I, I should say me, because I'm way older than you, but uh, when, I mean, when I wanted to know something, you know, we had to go to the, down the library and look up an encyclopedia, right? You know, or, you know, so these guys have information on the tip of their fingers. And, you know, and, and so they're so used to instant feedback. And so I think as a coach, it's super important that where I've had to change is just, you know, you know, I think, I think when we were getting coached, it was like, you know, do this because I told you to do it, you know, where these guys are looking for instant feedback because they're so used to it. They have it every day. And so you don't say just because I'm telling you to do this, we say we're doing this because I think you have to explain more because they want that information. They seek that information. They need that information because they're so used to having it so accessible to them where we weren't as, you know, I'm going to put you in that category where we didn't have that quite that accessibility, but certainly me when I was a, a you know, a kid or a college, college age kid. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, what the coaches told you, I mean, everything was on paper. Uh, there was never <laughs> the idea that we would look things up or, or, or Google for sure. Um, but, you know, as a follow-up to that, so, you know, kids have changed a tad. Information is readily available, so they're, you know, maybe that's influencing, you know, on the social media side, maybe that's influ- influencing them from a performance perspective, as a playing perspective, as a dedication perspective. But, you know, I think certain things in life you kind of see a repeating history of, right? So, like, you know, when you think of the hardest kids to coach, like, do they share a trait, a personality quirk, or a life story that you've seen time and time again where you've been like, you know, Billy is a lot like Tim 10 years ago. Same issues, same same issues with authority. Whenever we push hard, he, he goes right when we want him to go left. Like, have you seen that pattern repeat itself? For sure, for sure. In that case, yeah. It's just a matter of trying to, you know, find what, how you can, you know, get that, get that kid to respond in the way that, that you want him to and that he, you know, most, you know, and I'm, I'm generalizing this, but most kids want to do well, want to do good. You know, that's, that's the goal. And they join a team and they, and they join. So it's just a matter of finding out, you know, what, what will make it stick for them in terms of what will lead them to, to get into that area, to that point, you know, some are tougher than others and it's just different ways. And I think, you know, especially uh, with what's gone on more recently, that's even a little tougher job on our standpoint, because there's been a lot of, you know, kids with mental issues that, you know, that I've never seen before or really dealt with. And at least on the football field, you know, football field was always a kind of a place where you can forget about all that stuff and just go play and, you know, and knock the crap out of somebody and not worry about it and get your anger or your, or whatever it is out. But, and we see that a little bit more with our athletes than we did for sure in previous years. But so that, that part, you know, not having experience with that has been a little bit uh, tougher on, on, I think on the coaches nowadays in particular me. Well, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of COVID because I think everybody's uh, a little sick of it, but it sounds like <laughs> that had, it sounds like that had a bigger impact than I realized. Um, you know, obviously I've got kids, but they're, they're younger and, um, you know, we're blessed kind of in terms of their, where they go to school that they were allowed to continue to go in person. How bad was that 2020 football season? You know, yeah. So interesting, just more or less, you know, just your, your things that we would do in person, were trying to do through a zoom meeting or through a PowerPoint or through some type of presentation and things that, you know, we had never done before, you know, and, and, you know, drawing on a whiteboard or, or doing those type of things just from a football standpoint, a schematic standpoint was, was the norm. And now I'm creating PowerPoints and creating different ways to teach stuff that we, you know, have, and who knows if they're even, 
you know, awake on the other end. <laughs> I, I think from their world, and this is what I try to look at it is, you know, from the, from the moment you hit, you know, first grade and, and, and moving your way through, through the elementary, then junior high and high school system, you know, you're structured to, to basically a bell runs your life, a bell schedule, you know, that bell rings, you go to class, that bell rings, you leave class, that bell rings, you got to be in class. And just that being missing from their lives was, you know, something that they just conformed to. And now that being gone and having to, you know, get up and, and turn your computer on and, and do this. I'm not saying it's tough work by any stretch, but it's just a whole, what their way of life was going to school was completely turned upside down and changed. And it was for all of us from the teachers as well. And so I think that, you know, we are all sick of this and tired of wearing masks and doing all that stuff and, and hearing about it on the, you don't even watch the news anymore. It's made me not even know what's going on in the world because I cannot stand the, the COVID reports every night. And, but I, but their whole world as they knew it was completely turned upside down and, and, and then getting them back, you know, in, in the, when we did return on campus and, and, you know, you've got, we're, 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 we had, a, we're talking at one point, you know, there was basically, you got the freshmen coming in and the sophomores that didn't attend, 10 uh, school their freshman year on campus. You've got two, you got half of your high school or even probably more than half of your high school that doesn't even know, has never been on campus before. Doesn't even know how to, where the bathrooms are, what bathrooms are unlocked. Where's it, you know, it's just a whole new thing. It's crazy when half your campus is completely new. Just what their world was is just completely turned upside down. And, and, and that, that hit a lot of kids hard. And, and some kids did well and a lot of them did. So yeah, it's the whole change of life. Was there, was there a theme of the kind of kids that struggled more with this? Was it kind of a socioeconomic thing where, you know, kids with, you know, single mothers or, you know, lower income struggled way more than maybe the kids that, you know, have a little bit more luxury around them? Certainly, I think from the education standpoint, in terms of, you know, having a device, having an internet connection, a strong internet connection, having support at home, having maybe a, a, a work area, you know, like my big thing was, hey, you know, if you don't have a desk that's dedicated to you, just, you know, make a work area whether it be a TV tray or something, you know, just have an area where you go do work. Don't do it from bed, get up, get dressed, you know, get into a routine. Cause when we do go back, you're going to, you're going to really struggle. That was my big thing was that I even, you know, really stressed them too is, is, you know, set your phone as a bell schedule, you know, just give yourself whatever it is, six or seven minutes, whatever the passing period is. Hey, in six minutes, I got class. I got to be ready to go, you know? And, and, you know, kids would show up to my Zooms, you know, maybe with their hair not combed or no shirts on. I'm like, hey, put a shirt on. You know, if you're doing this to football, I can imagine what you're doing, you know, for history, language, arts, or math, or science, you know. So, <laughs> I would think you'd want to come to the football Zoom, you know. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, well, so let's get a little technical then for those that love the game. Uh, why is it so hard to defend the spread? And is there an NFL team that you watch that has embraced that style of play? I'm, Arizona pops in my mind, but like, is there someone that you're looking to see how they're incorporating? Because I, you know, may, I may be misstating this, but I feels like this was kind of a grassroots, you know, high school and, and lower level colleges were really embracing this before the big the big boys were, but it seems like it's everywhere now. So wh- why is it so hard and who do you look to for inspiration? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, a lot in there. Um, so, uh, the spread offense, I think, you know, is tough to defend because it, it does what it says it does. You know, at least the people that I, I think they have success with, you spread the field, you make, you make a defense spread the whole field and, and you create, you know, space and opportunities by doing that. And that's, that's where, you know, 
that becomes the tough part of it. Then you know you it, you know in reality, if you got good athletes, it's tough to defend anything. I mean, everybody's always asked what defense is the toughest to to go there. What's what some defense that shuts you down? What's the toughest one to block or you know score against? I'm like, it's the ones with really big fast guys on the other side is the ones that are tough. You know, so it comes down to players. But I think you know from a schematic standpoint, it it just you know, and I think in our case in Centennial is, you know, when I when I first came to campus, it seemed like um, there were a lot more safeties than there were linemen. There was a lot of five foot eleven, hundred seventy five pound kids that were four seven, four eight, forty kids. They were good football players, but you know, at some point in time, somebody's got to block up front. And so, you know, from our standpoint, it was you know trying to get, get, give us an advantage to win and it, or at least to compete. And we felt like the spread offense was the best to do that. And I. I was an assistant coach at Esperanza High School and, and uh, had a pretty good arm back in the day. So I was kind of running the scout team, and, and Los Alamitos um, uh, was our biggest rival, and Coach Barnes. And so he was a big inspiration for sure for this offense. And and, and I was running his scout plays, and, and, you know, they had some great quarterbacks and great passing success and ran the ball pretty well. But I kind of felt like, hey, if you can add a, some sort of a physical run game to the spread, I think we got something here, and that's kind of the approach that we took, and and and, and in our development of it. And, and sure, there's a lot of people that um, I, I, anything I see that I like that I I might want to try. You know, I'd say more on the college level than pro for me, just because of I probably watch you know probably at least back in the day for sure more college than pro. Um, but you know, Oregon is one that pops in mind. Um, a lot of junior colleges, people that I meet with, and, and then other high school coaches as well. Of you know, probably not as grandeur as, as you're looking for in the answer you know but uh but people like that you know and, and you know like arizona's more of a run and shoot we're not a run and shoot and that's a completely different system than ours you know we're we're more of a you know we want to we were more of a physical run attack first and then and then have play action off of that and rpos and screens and everything else that goes with it okay so you've obviously taken you know taken it to another level but prior to being kind of the offensive mind behind this program, you were a defensive coordinator. So, what was harder, offense or defense, to coach? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I think now defense is way harder. Just with the, you know, back when when I played, I mean, the quarterback, you know, was pretty much useless. I mean, he'd had you know on a run play, he'd hand the ball off and turn his back to defense and kind of set up like he's throwing. But you know, now with running quarterbacks and, and quarterbacks that can do that, kind of evens the playing field. So, I think when you when you play a quarterback that can that can run, it just you know it makes it more of an eleven on eleven game uh, for every play, as opposed to you know you know on run plays, it's more of a ten on eleven game, ten on eleven game type of thing. So I think you know the the option football co- component of it, you know whether a read option or regular option, is just you know evens out the de- de- defense. So I think it's tougher to defend it than it is to uh, you know play coach defense than it is offense in these in these times. The record that you had in 2013 for the national high school uh, most yards in a season of 9,001 yards, does that still stand? I'm not sure. Um, that's a great question. I'm not sure on that. I, you know, who knows? It's, you know, it's a little different back then, too, because we played a little bit fewer games. So, you know, there's some seasons where we played 16 games, and, you know, it's a little easier to get more yards, obviously, more games you play. But uh, that was a heck of a season, a heck of an offensive team for sure. No doubt. Um, for people that don't know, um, so you're going to have to probably simplify this. Um, can you walk us through the difference between running a public high school football program versus a private high school football program in terms of funding, support, recruiting? I think a lot of people just assume that the high school is, you know, 
everybody that lives in the neighborhood goes and they're on that high school program. And that's not always the case with the modern days and St. John Bosco and some of the bigger, you know, Catholic schools that, that, and, and obviously Orange Lutheran's there too, but just how does that work? And what is the biggest difference for, for what you're doing versus what they're doing? Yeah. And there's a complete support difference, you know, I, you know, and, and, uh, at least in a public school, and they're all a little bit different, but at least in our case, you know, we're pretty much self-supported in terms of financially. So our parents and our kids fundraise to to really for everything we have and to do everything we do. Um, the school um, does take care of certain things um, in terms of, you know, reconditioning equipment and some of those components, but pretty much everything we do, you know, if we're, if we're feeding the, the kids a team meal on, on Friday, then it, it was fundraised or bought or or bartered in some capacity uh, for us to do that. We're at a public school. It's more of a donation based, um, you know, and, and, and might not even be people that are parents or it might just be alumni that, or business or corporation that wants to be attached to it. I think, you know, from, so from a funding standpoint, completely different, um, from athletics points, a little different. Um, they have opportunities that, that we don't have, although it's supposed to be all equal, but they have different opportunities where they can reach kids. Um, and I've kind of always, and be honest with you too, I, you know, I, I get accused of recruiting all the time, and but I'm certainly not spending my Saturdays watching youth football games or, or going to watch, you know, youth, <laughs> pra- youth practices and things like that to get kids to come to Centennial. I, I always came from the belief, you know, uh, if you build it, they will come, the old, you know, <laughs> amen out type thing. And, Fill the dreams, so uh, you know, build it. They will come. I think if you build a good program, and, and kids, kids will want to stay and go. And if, if they don't want to stay, then 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 that's fine because it's not a, it's not a fit. You know, it's not a fit. There's plenty of choices, and you know, now what's I think what's happened with the way public schools and way football is going in general. It's just it's 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 not a, it's not a good place. You know, I know the NIL is good for kids, but I you know I think you you see you've seen it so much with with so much on the college level now guys jumping teams and and you know because of money it's it's a that's not what this sport was about i got nothing wrong with the kid making you know money or, or you know and set up for that but i think there has to be some governance to it and i think that's turned you know that that's kind of been going on at our level too it's not just for the for the private schools it's not just good enough to you know offer a kid a you know a religious experience you know through 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 high school and and, and maybe you know help some towards situation, but now it's even gone the other way to where, you know, they've extended all that and and they're getting other benefits outside of, of just becoming you know getting the the religious component of education and 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 and, and, and getting so off of tuition. You know, there's just it's just it's gotten it's gotten ugly. It's not it's not fun. I don't like where it's going. I hope that it doesn't continue that path because it's not it's not good for the sport. Yeah, it seems to be like there's some sustainability issues there because if everybody's bouncing and uh, and basically the powerhouses with all the alumni, you know, and thankfully I'm a USC fan, but like, you know, it's going to be really hard to compete with the USC's, the Alabama's, the LSU's uh, if you're Ole Miss. And I think uh, Lane Kiffin was recently making some comments about, about that change. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me get back into a little nitty gritty. So the days of when I was working out, the thing we wanted was the, uh, it was a VHS tape, tape called bigger, faster, stronger. It was the Nebraska, you know, <laughs> lifting program. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was popular because Nebraska back then was, was, uh, something to, uh, to watch for sure. Um, today though, it feels like it's more about speed, obviously explosiveness technique. So if you were to give advice to like younger players, junior high, freshman level, like what should they be focusing on to play at a high level by their sophomore, junior and senior year in high school? Like what type of lifting, agility, plyometrics, that type of stuff? 
Yeah, you know, it kind of depends on the age too. But uh, um, I guess you know, in terms of uh, of lifting, you know, Olympic lifts are you know, to, to some degree, I, you know, that gets to the point too when when you're, if you're doing too many Olympic lifts and things like that, that it becomes you know too much technique work on the Olympic lift, and you're you're lifting for a sport, typically in this case football. So anything that's you know that would increase your explosiveness, like you know, we love power cleans. Power cleans have always been the number one lift uh, since since I've been there, been here, and uh, and and that always will be unless something changes drastically. In that case, you know, we still do plyometrics, which is the old you know from the Russians and back in the '80s and all that stuff. And so we do a lot of that. Um, that has to be done, you know, age appropriate is is tough on there, and, and also strength appropriate too so that's a little tough and gets a little tricky when you're trying to do it in mass um but i you know i think if if uh you know somebody that i i think somebody that, that following somebody's program that has some merit to it is, is super important i think just you know just a kid going out lifting weights in the garage you know there's you know and not having a program or some something to follow you know uh, like a bfs or something like that you know would be would be you know would be wrong i think that you, there should be some means to an end there should be some progression and there should be some progressive work you know in that regards so i think that would be my advice is make sure you're following a program that's got a little bit of uh that you know have somebody that you know there's some knowledge to it or some base to it and you know you read like you know like i always used to laugh when i was younger too reading like you know muscle fitness or some of those other magazines and these guys are doing you know like 24 sets for a bicep it's like you know that's not gonna help <laughs> <laughs> you know, bicep does nothing for you really in a football game. So right. I think you know, yeah. So I think you know, being more of a thinking athletically as opposed to so much muscle, and that's we that's where we think. You know, when you're young and you want to look good, and you want you have big muscles, you want to look good. Look yeah, girls. no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so kind of switching back to kind of player management, um, is there such a thing as too much talent and? You know, if there is, uh, how do you handle the egos, playing time, parents, and kind of the on or off the field distractions that come when you're trying to build, you know, a team first, you know, approach? Yeah, that's that. That's even tougher to do, especially with social media, because social social media is such a me, me, me driven thing. You know, and look at me. This is what I'm doing. This is how great I am. This is what you know how great my life is, and all that. You know, as we all know, just from Facebook to everything. Um, so that's even tougher to do now. But uh, that's that's what we thrive on here at Centennial is being a team. It's the team first. It's it's about it's about winning games. And, and you know, and I, I kind of look at it this way. I always tell them, you know, hey, I know that you know all of you want to get scholarships. I understand that you want to BC and do things, but if we don't win games, that means we don't have good players. So uh, good players get scholarships. So it all, it all stems from winning first and then everything else kind of builds from there. And, and I think that, you know, understanding what you can do to help the team win and, and be successful. And, and, and we'll always uh, err on that side as opposed to the other side, we're not going to do anything to placate anybody or, or do anything. And, and uh, have we lost players for that? Certainly. You know, have we had a lot of good players stick around and, and wait their turn or players that, you know, have even split time? Um, yes, they have. And that just shows the type of person and character they are. And, and that's going to make them more successful, not just in football, but in life down the road. They're going to be team players. Yeah, I mean, you've had some success rotating quarterbacks, um, which a lot of people don't do. Um, you know, the quarterback generally wants to be the guy. So, I mean, that that to me sounds like a like a kind of a tough, tough one to handle. Like. What do you do? Do you sit them down? You kind of let them know that they're they're both really good, and we both think that they can earn scholarships. Like, how does that conversation start? Yeah, it kind of depends on the situation. You know, this this particular season is a little bit unique for me, and and it was last year as well, where you know the quarterbacks are the same exact same class. 
So usually it's a senior junior or junior sophomore type thing or, you know, and you're kind of, you want, you know, your senior to get looks, but you also want your underclassmen to get ready for next year. And, and, you know, so it's that, it's that give and take there a little bit, but so this year's a little unique. Yeah. You just, you sit them down, you talk to them. I'm I'm 100% honest with my players all the time. And, and uh, I'm going to tell them the truth and I'm going to tell their parents the truth. Um, and, and I hope what gets relayed and I hope that's what, you know, they think when, you know, when they're talking about it at the dinner table, you know, and uh, but I'm going to tell them the truth. And, and so you just, you know, if, if somebody doesn't win the job and we can win with both of you, then both are going to play. And I've always believed that this is probably from, you know, as you mentioned earlier, me being on the defense side of the ball. I think the more guys that play, the better morale it is, the better for the, the culture of the team. And just it's that's what they come there for. And football is such a labor intensive sport. Like you work so hard, you lift weights, you run for so few games. It's one of the few sports that's like that. You know, I played I played basketball growing up and baseball. And, and you know, you can go out and play, you know, six basketball games in a weekend and maybe have one or two practices. Well, it's, it's totally opposite from football. You're going to have six practices during the week to play one game on the weekend, you know. So it's a very labor-intensive sport. So I think, it, therefore, it should be rewarded. And so we like to play a lot of kids. Um, you know, ideally on offensive line, we'd like to play eight or nine if they're all good enough. You know, at receivers, if we play with four wide receivers, so we'd like to play with seven or eight. If we got seven or eight, they can play. We'll do that. And in this situation, as quarterback, there's two with running backs, two or three. So, you know, there's plenty of touches. You know, do you need to, do you need 40 carries for 350 yards or will, you know, 15 to 20 carries with 110 yards or 120 yards, you know, it's all the same look in terms of college are concerned. They're, they're not going to look up your stats to see what you did in order to, to recruit you. Now they're going to look at your ability on the field. As long as you get enough fil- you know, game film, you'll be fine in terms of recruitment. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When you're sitting down with the team uh, early on in the season, you know, it, my memory is always of, you know, kind of the main goals. And it always used to be tied to winning as the most important thing. And, and I don't mean that in just a draconian way of just like it's win or nothing, right? But have you ever had a point in a season where you didn't, your record didn't match what you were hoping for in terms of accomplishments, in terms of wins? But in terms of like the players, the teamwork, the mindset, like the camaraderie, the, the esprit de corps, like all those other kind of intangibles was at like a higher level. But, you know, when you look at that team, you go, yeah, they were eight and three or nine and two or whatever the record was. They didn't win the CIF that year, but. That was a great team. Uh, absolutely, there's been years like that, and, and there's been years the other way too, where like you know, I can't believe we won this many, this this many games with you know with this group or who we played against, or I can't believe we won that game. And it works both ways, certainly, you know. And I, I think you know we're pretty fortunate at our school because we get a lot of good kids, and we get a we get a really diverse population in our school, and so. Uh, across campus, not just football-wise, but it does reflect in football. And so you get a lot of different people coming together that make this team team work, and that's the only way it is going to work if that happens. And so it's definitely, you know, I think it's just built into our culture from a school, number one, and then, and then it, 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 you know, and then into the football program as well. Like, we, you know, we're there to take care of each other. It's a brotherhood. Uh, we work together. We work really hard together, and it, and it takes all of us. It's, it's a te- Football is the ultimate team sport. You know, I just had a conversation. I had a meeting today. And I was talking about, you know, some certain things and, and uh, talking about how on offense, all 11 of us got to be on the same page. You know, one guy misses the block or, well, you know, we miss a wide open receiver, the blocking over there, whatever the case is, you know, it doesn't work because of one person, you know, where the baseball game is different. You got a pitcher out there throwing strikes or striking people out, excuse me. And, uh, you know, you don't even need fielders and fielders, outfielders. You know, they're not hitting the ball. 
Right. So it's different. It, football doesn't work that way. It's just it's, it's just its own nature of that. And so it, it's a complete team, and, and we have to be in that in order to succeed and and uh, and function. So it's about you know it really comes down to executing. All right. So now I now I got to ask the question that I told uh, Lance I was going to ask you. So you can <laughs> you can get mad at him later, but uh, you know your success is well documented. You're well known in the coaching community nationally. Um, and while I love having you at Centennial, has there ever been a desire to test yourself at a, at the next level, specifically college, specifically Division One college? Uh, there was at one time. Um, you know, I you know I'm sure you know the story that my wife, you know, getting breast cancer, my late wife, and passing away, and and that that changed uh, the way I looked at life and and looked at and changed my responsibilities because I had three little girls at home that you know that were the priority and I needed to take care of them. And, uh, so that changed, um, that standpoint and that, you know, at this point, you know, I, I was a junior college product. So I think maybe that might interest me down the road at some point in time. Uh, cause I still feel like, you know, one of the joys of, of being a coach and actually it's my greatest joy of being a coach is, is helping kids. And, you know, as, as we get in as education, as teachers, I think you feel like you generally do that because you like kids and you want to help them. And so it's the same thing. And that's, you know, and, and the same thing. So I think in junior college, I could still help them. So maybe down the road when I retire, I might go be an assistant coach somewhere at a junior college or something. I, I don't know, but I, I love what I'm doing now. And, and, uh, and, um, it would be fun to, you know, to scheme against some of that too. But I also know that how at that level, you know, recruiting is, is so, you know, involved and important. And I don't know, you know, if I, if I wasn't at, I would have a hard time recruiting somebody if I wasn't at a school or, or at a, you know, working for coaches that I didn't truly believe in. If that was, you know, if I'm just trying to job hunt and trying to work up the ladder, that'd be, that, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to stand on the table for, the kids say, "Hey, you, this is why I want you to come here. It's a great thing, you know. If it's, and I know it's not great, <laughs> so, so I wouldn't do. That's why I got out of sales and got into education. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Integrity is important, and obviously, that's important to you. So, uh, this is the last question, and I'm going to let you go. So, you're a coach, but you're a husband. Um, and yes, I do remember your late wife. I remember fondly the the fundraiser that you had at the school i um yeah that was very tough and i think what you did is is the right thing uh, as a father myself so but you're a husband you're a father and a grandfather yeah and how do you balance everything uh and dedicate enough time to all your teams like your kids teams your grandkids teams you, you know your husband duties <laughs> i mean how do you balance it all yeah. because running a football program as a head coach is a huge time commitment yeah, it's tough. It's very tough, and I probably didn't do a real good job of that, you know. And just being honest, my first couple of years because it was just so, uh, you know, trying to turn things and so much work. I mean, you know, as a another difference between a public school and private school, you know, you know, as a public coach, you know, I take care of the equipment, we take care of weights, we take care of speed training. There's a lot of hats we wear. Where at private schools, they might have other people that do those responsibilities, you know. And so, but it's tough, and I and I, you know, it is tough, and I think, you know. I know. I remember when when Donna got sick for the first time, and and it just made me look at life differently. It made me really cherish and and really honestly feel you know so much more blessed with each moment you have with the per with the people you love and, and with. I think that this made it makes all the little moments way more important because you don't know you don't know if that's going to happen again. You know because you know once you have a something like that that happens in your life, it makes you reflect and and. And so I think I did a better job the, the older I got. Although it's funny, you would think that the more you do something, the better you'd get at it. And I feel like every year I'm like, 
you know, like just two weeks ago, you know, we're, we're instituting different training methods and doing some other things and it's recruiting season for the college coaches. So they're coming around. It's like, man, I'm running around with my head cut off. I'm like, man, I've been doing this for so long and you think this would be easier. <laughs> it never gets like that. But, but I think managing is tough. And, you know, and I remember, you know, distinctively when, uh, like Monday nights, which was uh, a full night for me for sure. And during a game week and, you know, sitting aside, okay, we're going to, we the girls and I were just talking about this the other day too, is we watch fear factor together on Monday night and then we'd read and then they go, they go to bed. And then I would get up once they fall asleep and, and go do my work that I need to do to get prepared for the week. So it was just adjusting schedules and, you know, lack of sleep on my end, but that's okay. I figure I can, I can sleep when I'm, when I'm get put in the ground. So yeah, there you go. Well, I, Hey coach, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, I, 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 I'm so proud of, uh, what you've done at Centennial. Like I, I love being a part of it. I'm always trying to get Matt to bring me some swag. So, you know, keep it up. I hope you stay there as long as you want to stay there, but, but no longer than that. And, um, again, thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate your support, Ian. Thank you. All right. Take care.